Are you a Christian mom or woman who sometimes feels stuck? Are you desperate for conversations with other Christian women who keep it real, even if it's not pretty? I'm Julie Godwin, speaker, Bible study author, life coach, wife, and the mom of eight, here to offer hope and encouragement through authentic conversations. We will chat about the good, the bad, and the ugly. You'll discover what it looks like to ditch your religion and pursue a relationship with Jesus. So listen up. We're about to get real as we authentically pursue Jesus through authentic conversations. Welcome back to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Julie Godwin, and I'm here with Amy Knight again. And I'm so excited to have her back for episode two of Fear and Control. Amy, welcome back. Thank you. You are so welcome. So today you're going to share a little bit with us, a little further with us about fear and control. Yeah. And we talked last time about the, the connection between religion and fear-based control. Yes. So go ahead, Amy, and, and talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, there's a definite connection uh, between religion and uh, fear-based control. Uh, so religion, I would say, causes us to relate in our relationships through fear and control. Um, if we think back to like going back to the Gospels, like when the Pharisees, do you remember when um, the Pharisees were very critical of Jesus when he would sit. He goes, they'd say, you're sitting with sinners and publicans. They'd say, we don't use the word publicans anymore and tax collectors. But basically, the people that were seen as bad and outcasts in society. And they were very worried about Jesus doing that. So I think it's very interesting because um, when you think about it, why were they so worried about it? And I would say it's because they thought that proximity to sin would get on them. It's almost like they see it as a virus, you know. If I'm getting close to it, it can get on me. And I would say because religion has no power over sin. So we'll always fear what it knows rules them. Okay. Yeah. And so what we fear often does have power over us. But Jesus, you know, he didn't fear the sin um, because he, he had come to defeat it at the cross. That was the whole reason, you know, he was coming to earth. Sure. Um, so he, it had no power over him and also because he is righteous. So um, I would say it's interesting when you think about somebody, the difference between people that walk in religion um, versus those who walk in freedom in Christ, you can, it doesn't mean that you're like parting with it or becoming a part of sin, like compromising with it, but you can go and you can love on sinners because you know that there's no danger. It's just perfect love casts out fear. Um, God's righteousness is is stronger than any sin. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if I'm saying this clearly, so no. feel free to ask no, questions. No, you are. You Absolutely. To. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's that place of, um, you know, true righteousness has no desire towards sin. It doesn't mm-hmm. fear it. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. I think you're 100% right because even growing up, um, I know my family would, you know, oh, you can't hang out with this person or that person. They're going to be a bad influence. Yes. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that you don't guard and against, you know, who you hang around. Right. Is They're going to influence you. Right. But there was a fear associated with it. Yeah. Like, like their sin was going to rub off on you. Right. Just by being in the same room with them. Yeah. And, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. That, that whole difference in between, like, how we, how we actually see sin even. Um, 
Yeah, so I think it's interesting. There's a there's an example I'd like to give a little bit as far as explaining the difference between um, grace versus when we think about grace. So we talk about grace. I don't even, I feel like sometimes we need to define it more because I feel like people are like, what do you mean by grace? Because yeah. it's all over the place. But I would explain it as, like if you see somebody in a pit and they're in that pit and they're, they fell down in it, you have the religious person who comes along and, and is looking at them in the pit and going, oh my goodness, I told you not to do that. Like, ah, look at you, you're in the pit. Come on, I mean, look at that person. Well, I don't do this and so I'm not in the pit. And they walk on. Right. You know, and then you have the person who has this false, false grace, we call it maybe, is they come along and they see the person in the pit and they're like, hey, dude, let's have a party. Come on, let's have fun. And so they're like, let's decorate it. And so they're hanging the lights and they're hanging the banners and they're playing the rock, you know, the, the fun hip hop music or whatever. And, and for a while, the person in the pit, it feels good because nobody's judging them and the lights are, are flashing and bright. But at the end of the day, when that person moves on, they're still left in the pit. Yeah. Where it's true grace sees the person in the pit and goes, I am so sorry, dude. I know what it's like. I've been there. Let's get you out of the pit. And right. is the hand that pulls them up and out of the pit. Yes. So both false grace and both religion actually end up the same way. The person's stuck in the pit. Right. But true grace actually gets them out of the pit. Pulls them out. Yeah. Yeah. I like that analogy. It's it's really good. And I think that um, as I sit and think about grace and this being kind of like God's unmerited favor, like we don't have to. No. Right? It doesn't have to be bestowed on us. Uh-uh. Right? But it's given to us yeah. freely. Yeah. And what if the person in the pit doesn't receive it? Mm. What if they stay down in the pit saying, yeah. well, I didn't really do anything. Mm. What can I do? Yeah. Well, Julie, that's a good question. Yeah. That's good. That's deep. Yeah. But we, you know, we have to receive grace. Yeah. And if we don't receive the grace mm-hmm. and reach our hand back up to true grace mm-hmm. and allow it yeah. to pull us out, we could stay in that pit Yeah. because of our own religious belief that we have to do something. That's right. You know, and it's it's like that story where they, they talk about there's a flood and God sends a helicopter, a boat, and the guy says, I'm waiting on God. Yeah to rescue me mm. well, we can do the same thing with grace yeah we're waiting down there in that pit yeah. and the hand is extended yeah to pull us up but we think we have to build a set of stairs to get there that's so good and get out of the pit that's so good so i think it's really good to define grace but amy let's also define sin mm-hmm. sin isn't a word that we use today it's no. kind of a word that's only found in the bible yeah that's right very true. okay let's so let's yeah. just define or in the church maybe yeah right Churchy around people yeah <laughs> So define sin for me. What do you think that is? I would say that sin is, it's interesting. Well, it says in the Bible, um, for the wages, no, that's not the one I'm thinking about. For all sin, it comes short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. So it's anything that's less than his glory, which that right there sounds very overwhelming. Um, And I've got some thoughts on that, but I would say it's anything that brings separation between us and our relationship with God. There you go. My pastor is actually defined it also as it's under preferring God, which is kind of an interesting way. I mean, he has way more he says about it, but that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Well, and I do like the, you know, anything that separates you from God. Yeah. In your mind, like in your heart that brings separation. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's interesting. Yeah. Do you, you have more thoughts you want to say on that? Do you no, to... absolutely. No, I agree. So we've, you know, you've defined sin, you've defined, um, grace and how we try to earn God's favor. We try to earn his grace yeah. through not sinning, not right. doing the wrong things. Cause we yeah. see it as, you know, not doing the wrong things, but really it's mm-hmm. about not having a relationship with God, yes. being separated from him. Yeah. And maybe it's because of some of the things we do will separate us, right. right? It will be that block. It will be that block, that barrier between us and having that relationship with God. That's right. Well, if, if you've, I don't know if some of my our listeners here, if they're very familiar with the Bible, but if in Genesis, in the very beginning, there's a story with Adam and Eve in the garden. And so it's very interesting to me that there were no religious people in that garden with Adam and Eve. But when they sinned, the first thing that happened is they felt shame and they hid. Right. God now comes to them and he says, why are you hiding? So it wasn't God that was judging them at this place and causing that separation. Because a lot of times what happens is we actually project on God our own shame and judgment. Mm-hmm. So the companion of sin is is actually shame. Shame oh, always yeah. comes with sin. Right. And so we're, sometimes we're, we're telling people is, I, I hear this in the church a lot, is, um, you know, shame isn't from God, which is true. But if you just knew God's love, then you wouldn't feel shame with your sin. But the reality is, how can we actually break free of, of shame if we're refusing to let go of our desperate hold on our, our sin. Right. Yeah. I find that it's really interesting that, you know, in the garden, like you're saying, um, they separated themselves from God Yes. because of their own guilt and shame. Yes. They pulled back and God came to them. Right. Wow. Isn't that powerful? That's very powerful because I think I always thought, I always viewed it like God can't be in the presence of sin. Yeah. But he came to them, but he came to them in their sin. Uh-huh. And that's what Jesus did. Yeah. He bore our sin. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. very opposite of what I always was taught or or was yeah. or believed. I'm not so sure it was being taught that way. Right. But definitely what we came up with. I mean, such I, I love how just the, the, the depth of it, you start getting into some of this stuff and you realize like, wait a minute, like God wants to change our our, our view of him. So I just, I love how he did. He came and he met them in that place. Um, you know, because fear or religion always focuses, again, like we talked about the the, the first, um, first part of this conversation, we talked about how religion always focuses on behavior. And, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think some of the pain, a lot of people have a lot of pain associated, and I, and I hate to say this because it's so sad, but with church and with religious people. True. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people I meet that have church hurt. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, so many. And so, and a lot of times when people are, there's a lot of um, disentangling or um, deconstructing going on. And so people are finding a lot of times, it's kind of like my example of the pit. The world feels a whole lot better a lot of times because it feels it feels safer a lot of times because they're not condemning they're not judging the world is just kind of like hey you can do whatever you want find what makes you feel good and do it and so it feels for a while it feels really it feels freeing sure because they don't have that judgment yes I experienced that yeah I mean when I walked away from God at a young age Mm -hmm. I went straight into the world and 
found so much acceptance there. Yeah. You know, arms were wide opened. Right. And I had come from a place where I felt very much like I was judged and like I would never uh, meet up to the standard. I'd never be able to live up to the standards that were laid out before me. And yet the world accepted me where where I was. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus accepts us where we are. Yes. So if the church isn't doing that for you, if you don't feel accepted where you are, go to Jesus. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's not going to religion, not going to a church, not going to church people, but going straight to the source, going straight to the Savior, and you will find acceptance there. I I love that. And that's exactly like where I want us to really focus on today because I love it because Jesus is so good. Like if you look at his story, uh, so many stories, I, I can think of the woman where, and yet he's so honest. He doesn't, he doesn't ignore their sin because he's not, but he's not afraid of it. Right? So I think the reason why, where we sense so much judgment in the church is because the church is afraid of sin. I I agree with that. Right? I agree with that. They are. They're afraid of it. Jesus wasn't afraid of sin, but he also said, like, if we think of the story, um, so there's that story of where there's a woman caught in adultery. And I actually wrote this little, uh, little story about it. And it, it was a really powerful moment. I was sitting in churches was years ago. And it's like, I, it's almost like I saw her and it was like I was her and I could see the whole story unfold. So I write this and I write it. It's very, very descriptive because it's like I was there mm. and I was just, I began to weep in church because I just, I, I saw everything and it felt it and I felt her pain. I felt her fear. It was crazy. But in this place where she's, she's there and she's now, she's totally exposed. And then of course we know the Lord Jesus writes in the sand and we don't even know specifically what he wrote. We all have different thoughts of what he think we think he wrote. But at the end, his the accusers leave. He did say, you who are without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they all leave. And then Jesus turns to the woman. He goes, where are your accusers? And she's like, I have none. They're gone. And he said, neither condemn I you. And then he says this, go and sin no more. So the order of this is incredibly powerful because what he does is he removes the accusation and he removes the condemnation. And when accusation and condemnation are removed, now you can fall up with these powerful words and they can actually happen. Go and sin no more. Mm. And so the gospel message is, we often actually, the, the biggest thing that keeps us from God and actually walking in freedom is the condemnation that we believe and we, we, we project it on God. The separation, the running and the hiding, our shame makes us feel. The judgment and that we project that on God and we hide from him and we create this distance. And so it's impossible when you live under condemnation and judgment to go and sin no more. Mm. But we can't remove the condemnation off of ourselves. Right. A lot of people are trying to do that. They're trying to say, if you just knew, come to full consciousness of how good you were. Oh, right. Right? And that's so foreign. I mean, that's so opposite because yeah. for me personally, I know that it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. to yeah. do the right thing. There are moments, even as a believer, there are moments and times where you struggle. Yeah. Right? And yeah. We, we we do our very best to go and sin no more. Right. But there's, there's always going to be sin mm-hmm. in our lives. It's not yeah. going to be completely gone until yeah. we get to eternity one day. Yeah. And I think what you're saying too is so interesting because 
people put that on God, mm-hmm. like he's the one giving the condemnation. Right. We are doing a lot of assuming about God. Yes, we are. Based on religion mm-hmm. and religious people. Yes. And we have to stop assuming that we know who God mm-hmm. is until until we get into a relationship with him right. and really discover who he is. Yes. Thank you. I love that how you said that. I mean, it is. It's about entering into relationship with him. And I hear so much talk about identity and identity is so critical. But we have two, I see false and in extremes where we have the extreme where like my growing up, I didn't understand my identity and who I was in, in Christ, mm-hmm. right? Because my view of God was broken. And so we can never, the mirror, we say we see through a glass dimly, but then face to face, we can only reflect, our mirror can only reflect what we're looking into. And so our identity will only reflect what we believe about God. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. Which actually kind of leads us to our second point because, yeah. you know, what did fear and control lead to? Yes. You were, you were looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. And, and so therefore yeah. you, this fear and control was being reflected back at you. Yeah. And what did that lead to? Like share a little bit of the personal walk, the personal stuff that you went through. Yeah. Well, we could be here all day on that one. So we'll have to pick and choose <laughs> <laughs> and think about what I want to share. But definitely like I had shared earlier, um, about as far as the parenting and control and all that. So I, I went through this place of looking like I had it all together. Um, you know, live my teen years that way. I, we went through a really horrific thing and I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail because a lot of it's not all my story. Um, but our family went through some very, very traumatic stuff in my growing up years um, in a very uh, religious fear-based controlled environment in the church we were in. And um, so one of my siblings had made a decision that was not under the approval of the pastor. And my dad was in close ministry with that pastor. Um, So it wound up resulting into all kinds of stuff. And I don't feel like at this point I'm ready to go into all the detail just because I don't even know who's going to do it who's not. That's okay. Um, And some things are okay to tell, but some things are, like I said, are still... Until you know your family's ready for it all to be told, you don't. Um, so, but it created a lot of a lot of pain. And what I came out of that situation was I remember making this vow that I will do nothing to disappoint my parents. Wow. And what a weight. Oh, exactly. The yeah. the the agony and the chains that I was carrying with that, the the rocks of that, the weight, like you said, it was definitely that. And, and then I go into it, I get married and I have kids and all of a sudden, anybody who has children know that kids can be messy. They're mm-hmm. wonderful. They're beautiful, but boy, they're human. And so this perfect life I imagined was all, all of a sudden shattered in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I became aware of how broken I was, but it was that place of brokenness where God brought humility to my heart and so I was I was finally able to see need because until we recognize we have need we'll never look for a solution isn't that true apart from ourselves yes yeah I definitely believe wholeheartedly that God brings us to our rock bottom mm-hmm. and I was reading more recently in a, in the book of Isaiah in a bible study that I'm doing and he talks in Isaiah about basically bringing desolation yeah 
to the Israelites. Yeah. And God is actually allowing this to happen. Mm-hmm. And he says these words in scripture, and I think it's in chapter six. Don't quote me on that. But he says, then mm. they will see me. Then yes. they will need me. Then they will call out my name. Yes. You know, and I find that, you I know, that. in my own life, it wasn't until I've been very broken yeah. that I've looked up. And sometimes God brings us to our knees so that we'll look up. Mm-hmm. But it's a shame it has to be that way. I know. Right? But I think that's just the way it is. And God knows that's the way yeah. it is, which is why sometimes he allows the hard things in our life. Yeah. Because he's up there saying, hey, I'm here. Yeah. You know, but we think we can do it all on our own. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I remember sitting there and literally crying out to God. And um, years later, I went back and, and revisited that time with the Lord. I was like, Lord, where were you in that place? And I said, I, I, I needed, like, I needed the tangible, your tangible presence. I was so overwhelmed. And I said, I felt like I was a thread away from losing it, God. And he spoke this, and it was so powerful. He said, Amy, I was the thread holding you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do, we, we feel that there's, if that one thread, if that snaps, I'm gone. Yeah. But the Lord was telling me, you weren't the one holding yourself. I was the thread holding you. Wow. Holding on to you. Yeah. Is this the point where God intervened in your life? You know, it wasn't immediately there, but it was when in this process, like now I've, I've invited the Lord to like back to those moments because lies come in, into those places of often pain and trauma and sorrow. And so full healing happens when, not when we learn how to handle a lot of times, a lot of nowadays teaching we have is learning how to cope with it Mm. and but the lord doesn't want us to just cope with it he wants to actually heal it Mm. and so when i've invited the lord to go back with me and say lord speak to this place again show me where were you what lie did i believe god and what truth do you want to now what do you want to pour into me how do you want to who do you want to be to me in this moment yeah i love that what lie did i believe Mm -hmm. And what do you want to replace it with? Is that what you... Yeah. 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 I mean, that is such an important thing that each and every one of us can do every single day. Yeah. What lies am I believing right now, Lord? Yes. And what do you want me to believe? That's right. Hmm. There's actually... My husband and I went to a conference and I brought it with me here because um, it's called a dive-in. We got these books and they're so practical. So when I, I was seeing this control coming back up, and it came with now my my a lot of my kids are um, growing up. I have teens. I have ones that are uh, graduated. One is launched. Another one graduated. And everything. So they're older. And I was seeing some things where I felt like they were picking and choosing things that were like compromising. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to result in good things for them. And so I'm gonna just be really honest. I'm gonna I'm gonna read to you my dive in parts okay. of it that I feel like I can if that's sure. okay. Sure. Yeah. And so. Um, I was seeing my older kids walking in ways that are often not pure. Um, I was sensing the junk that was bringing between them and the Lord. And so what I began to write out, it has you write out your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors. So I wrote up emotions, fear, frustration, anger, discouragement. And then the behavior was control, critical spirit, and religious words. Ugh. And that that's painful because I've been trying to break away from all this. And then I'm right. seeing this come out. Because the, you're, you're connecting your emotion to... What is this? What you were, your behavior? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. And so then what was the belief? So I asked the Lord is, 
Um, Lord, what is going on? What truths or lies am I believing? And this is what my answer was, that if I don't control, address every issue, which is control, by the way, fix the kids' hearts, which is control, by the way, Mm -hmm. they will run wild and go off the deep end. Mm. So that I, this is the lie. I am responsible to, to hold everyone and everything together so I then operate in control. And so then the Lord's like, what are you believing about yourself? And we're thinking, oh, that I need to fix everything. He's like, no, there's a self-judgment in here. What's the self-judgment? That I am irresponsible, I'm negligent, and I'm failing as a mom. Wow. Wow, that's so powerful. And I bet you there are a lot of moms that can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what I did is I didn't leave it there, but then went on and asked the Lord. I just had a prayer of repentance, asked the Lord to speak to me. Or what do you want to say to me? And, and, and what he poured into me, I'm not going to read it now because we're getting so short on time. But was And, and plus, it's intimate between us. You, what God tells you is going to be different. It's your story. Right. But allowing him to speak into your heart. What does he want to say? He gave me a verse of scripture that was such a promise for my family and I. Mm. And just the healing on that. But I want to go back to this whole thing of how um, I was trying to substitute myself. And that's what he was showing me. At the root of it, it's it's me trying to be my own substitute. So what happens is then, I'm also holding myself accountable and responsible for every one of my children's behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm putting myself on the cross. Yes, as if you're the savior. Yes. So that's, yes. that's a lesson that God taught me a couple of years ago when my oldest came off the mission field. Mm-hmm. She ended up getting pregnant mm-hmm. with my amazing grandson Mm -hmm. and at the time it was a little bit of an ouch yeah because you know you raise your kids not to uh necessarily get pregnant out of wedlock right Right. we raise them a certain way we anticipate a certain outcome we think we can control it we can't right so here we're facing that Mm -hmm. and then you fast forward and we had a lot going on with her um and in these moments, it's like God came almost almost audibly said to me, Julie, what makes you think mm. that because of a little sin, I have taken my hand off your daughter? Mm. God never right. takes his hand off of our children. Mm. If they are his, they are in his palm. Yeah. And we cannot control, we can't control that at all. Mm-hmm. We have no control over putting him or over putting them in his palm nor taking him out of his palm. Yeah. He's got them. That's right. And you know, we try to yeah. fix it all. Yeah, it's it's so amazing to me cuz we say we're Christians, right? So we're supposed to be living under the shadow of the cross and and, and the open tomb, the light of the open tomb, you know, mm-hmm. the resurrection. And yet, what I've come to realize is how much that I don't live under the reality of the gospel. You know, right. the whole thing, like religion, clean myself up so I can be good enough for God, that's anti-gospel. Right. Or this whole thing of like, well, if I, I will, so I believe this, so I'm weak, but no, I'm strong. And so we just believe, if you could just believe this enough about yourself, you know, believe that you're this, then you'll be okay. So this whole thing about I'm feeling, I'm, I'm unworthy. So many times we feel I'm unworthy, God. Well, what's the answer to that? Oh no, you're amazing. You're perfect. No, the answer to that is, I know. So I came and I gave you my worth. I gave mm. you my righteousness. You know, the right. gospel's about him. Yes. It's that we need a savior. Yes. And it's Jesus. It's not me. Right. 
it's all about that relationship with him. Yeah. And I wonder for you, at, you know, God intervened in your life. Yes. And, and at what point do you think that he really intervened and um, led you to this place where you realized Jesus was the answer? Was there a moment? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, was, I, I know I accepted Jesus as my Savior at age four, and I know that. I know I was saved at that age, but my, my view of God was so broken, like I talked about before, that it, I wasn't able to totally understand and appreciate the reality of gospel. The gospel to me was more of a ticket out, out of hell and a ticket into heaven, mm. you know, and um, with, some, with some benefits to it, but not really fully understanding that. And now I've just been able to, and even the difference, can I just share this with forgiveness? Mm. Because what happens is we go through life and we discover that our knights in shining armor have rest on their, on their shields. Mm. <laughs> you know, our, our children are not perfect, you know, and our husbands and our children bring out our own imperfection, sure. not their fault. And I want to be careful to say that. Yes. Um, but it just reveals what was already there because it got shook. The glass got, sh- you know, it was right. shaken. And then what came out was all the stuff that was lying at the bottom and had right. settled. You right. know, we kept hidden from everybody. Yes. On the top looking in, it looked great, but just shake that glass. Right. <laughs> right. It comes out. What's really in there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I would just say for, I actually this year have had, I had a little while where the Lord's like, just sit at the foot of the cross and figuratively, of course, but literally just sitting there until I, I get this idea of this concept of, of how I don't have to clean up my act. Mm. I, I, I come to God in my brokenness. I come mm. to him in my fear. I come to him in my, my sorrow. I come to him in my grief. A friend died at the beginning of this year. You know, and, and so I'm processing through the grief of that. My my mm. son just launched. There there were some struggles coming out with my kids and other relationships this year. And just, but what it means is I don't have to fix it all. I don't have to control it. I don't even have to fix myself. Right. You just have to give it to him. I do. I invite yes. him into it. Yes. So every moment of weakness and fear and all these things, religion says, hide that, stuff it. Mm-hmm. Stuff the emotions, pretend they don't. Or, um, okay, so you've got fear, just shout more joy. So we, yeah. as if we can balance the scale and ignore it, right? And we're, we're right. really just lying to ourselves. Yes. But instead, God's saying, I see it all. And this is the power of the cross. And it just hit me so powerfully. And it helps us to really let go and, and to really forgive people if we, if we understand this, that Jesus what is crying out and so many people are living in brokenness. And I just, I I feel like I want to just share this. I know we're getting late on time because it's so powerful. You know, we, we have people sitting there and we're, and we're going like, I want justice. This is what the world is screaming out for. Justice. So much division is screaming out for justice. And then we feel like it's being marginalized. It's being minimized. It's being ignored. It's being spiritualized. Just, Okay, but let's just throw in a few verses here and that'll fix it all. But what I see is Jesus actually, it's like set it all out the table. Bring it all there and lay it down. Mm-hmm. Like all of it, the ugliness of it all, mm-hmm. every raw, every cry, every angry, broken, every abuse. The thing about the gospel is it just wasn't your sin. It was everything done against mm-hmm. you. You see, what the Lord has been showing me is I am your perfect justice. And this is why. Because when Jesus hung on that cross and why he was agonizing even before he hung on that cross is because 
He knew he would have to feel every single bit of it. You see, when he hung on that cross, he was just like, he didn't just feel your sinful choices, but he felt every abuse. Like, can we comprehend that? As a mom, I, I see children, I think, that are sex trafficked and are being abused, and it rips my heart out. And Jesus literally felt what was done to you. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why there's perfect justice, because he was it. He bore it. He felt every pain. He felt every agony. He heard it. He felt it all. He was not immune to it. And this is the only way we can let it go. This is the only way we can forgive because we know our justice was met. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we're waiting for the person who wronged us. We, it's not even enough that they repent. We want them to feel every bit and worse than they gave it to us. Mm-hmm. And then we feel like we'll be able to walk free. The problem is, first of all, it doesn't ever set us free. And the problem is some of those people will never, ever repent. And so how are we free then? The only way we're free is if we if if we understand this that because Jesus bore it for us he actually went into the courtroom. You see a lot of us are hanging around the courtroom of our minds. We're playing judge, jury, defense attorney, prosecuting attorney, and we're and we're playing this and we're like going around and going, "I know this happened to me." And we can't let go of the pain of the past mm. because we're just sitting there. We're trying to seek our justice. Yes. And Jesus went into the courtroom and he said, "Now I will take it." He said, you scream at Abby. You mm. scream it at me. But I'll mm. take it for you. Mm. And he did. And he did. He did. And there are people listening who have experienced some pretty painful things. Yeah. Yeah. Myself included. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to recognize that God has already done it. Yeah. He's already bore it. He's already taken it. Yeah. But he's the answer. He is. To it all. He is. There, there's a thing of bring me your broken, bring your... And I think we just need to see that. We just need to... And, that, and that's the thing. It's just like, God, like, if you could take every accusation, you could take every angry word, he's not, he's not hiding himself from it. He's not saying, oh, I can't handle your anger. Get your act together. Clean it up. Forgive first. He doesn't say that. He says, bring it to me. And he literally laid out his hands. And he's like, like, go ahead and take your accusations. Take your pain and hammer that into my hands. Mm. Like, do we get that? Yeah. The reality of the cross is so much more than we can comprehend. But it means I can let go. And it means my heart can finally come home and it can rest mm. and it can have peace and it can begin to have healing and wholeness. Mm. So good. Healing and wholeness, which is something that we all need and, yeah. and all desire. Amy, I hate cutting this short because I this know. is so good, but we need to just wrap this up. I'm going to ask that you go ahead and pray us out. Yeah. And I know that we'll hear you on another episode in the future. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much. God, we're, I thank you so much that you are so personal. And that you meet us right where we are. God, you didn't even ignore the religious person too. Sometimes we like to say God only loves the sinners and the publicans. But Lord, I was the, I was the religious person. And you didn't even ignore me. You don't ignore us, Lord. You're always 
inviting us. You're always inviting us. You stand at the door and you knock. You don't pound it in. You don't force it in. It's so easy to hear the lies, Lord, because the enemy doesn't care. He's abusive. He's demanding. He's manipulative. He forces us to hear what we don't even want to hear. But you don't do that, God. You're the, you're the voice of, of gently calling us. I've got my hand out. Do you want to take it? And so, God, I just pray for whoever's listening in right now that they're in desperate need of the hand out. They just needed to hear that you were that thread holding on to them, God, when everything around them feels like it's falling apart. Mm. So, God, you meet each of us right where we are. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Amy. You're welcome. Well, that wraps up this episode of Authentic Conversations. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you joined us. You can find me and more content like this at www.authenticpursuitministries.com. And if you found what was shared today helpful in any way, please like it, share it, and consider leaving a review so that it can help someone else ditch religion and pursue an authentic relationship with Jesus.